We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody. It's your OBR weekend. I think it's like the episode 10 now. Probably makes sense. We've done about 10 weeks of the NFL, so we'd be on the 10th episode of this. It's me and Andrew Spade. We are going to pick the lines. We took a week off from that. I'm sure you guys were absolutely devastated, heartbroken, and had a hard time getting to your Saturday or Sunday morning without those lines uh, you know, picked for you to, to make some money. Or, you know, actually looking at our records, you would be making some money, especially off of Andrew. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, he's a just basically turned into savant last weekend, but I do think it gives a good preview to the rest of the slate in the NFL, and obviously gives us a little tease for college football too, which has some has some juicy games uh, coming up this weekend, and I'm pretty excited about. So, yeah, let's let's dig in, Andrew. I welcome you in, uh, and I ask you how your day is going, man. It's great. It's a uh, it's a cloudy day here in North Carolina. Uh, I know that I'm kind of getting a rep as the weather guy, so I will mm -hmm. just indulge myself a little further and say that it has been drought conditions down here for the past, I don't know, two months now. We barely had any rain, but we finally got a cloudy day with a little bit of rain, so it feels great. It feels great, and the grass probably craving that uh, a little bit too. Oh, there's rep no grass anymore. Well, yeah, that would be burnout <laughs> or whatever grass is trying to grow. It's just dust. Uh, in, in Ohio, I just get uh, the time of year where you don't have to mow your grass, really. It just kind of grass just stops growing, so this is a really nice... You know, like you, you obviously have lived here, so I'm kind of talking mm -hmm. to anybody. But, you know, you get to that point where it's 70 degrees, like high 60s, 70s on a Monday, and then it's high 40s by Thursday. Yep. So, you know, you get you get the good. You probably got a couple more times of that happening in November uh, before it starts to really take that turn south. But, mm -hmm. yeah, it's nice. Uh, it's a nice time of year for all that stuff. So uh, now that we got our weather and grass consumption out of the way, let's talk about <laughs> the Browns trying to protect their grass right with with mm -hmm. left tackle right tackle situation i think that's where our focus is i think when i picked the game earlier this week which i picked cleveland and talked about i thought dewan was going to be back i really had an inkling that he was going to play so him not playing obviously not practicing on friday ruled out by kevin stefanski is pretty important to the scope of this game you, you would have been worried even with just uh, hudson stepping in but now losing both of them Andrew puts him in a real bind, a real bind. And, and you got to look at the options. Let, let's go through those. So let's, I'll have you talk about the options and I'll kind of piggyback off what they are because sure. we we're talking about it pre-show and it is not 
<laughs> it's not ideal, man, at all. Because not only is the tackle spot dicey, there is la- there's just a lack of interior O line depth yeah. too, right? Yes, that's correct. So I think probably the the odds on favorite at this point is for Garan Christian, who is uh, a uh, a veteran, you know, a veteran that they added to the practice squad uh, a few weeks ago, two weeks ago. Uh, and then added to the active roster pretty quickly with all the injuries. He's a six-year vet out of Louisville. Um, he, he played most of his time with uh, Washington, uh, was a third-round pick. Bill Callahan has experience with him. So I think the most likely scenario is that Christian slots in at left tackle, and then James Hudson is your right tackle. I think that's probably the most likely scenario. The other guy, the other name everybody needs to know is this uh, practice squad player that was claimed off of the uh, – practice squad of the San Francisco 49ers from Mm -hmm. uh, University of Texas, San Antonio, Leroy Watson, who is a uh, first year player. And so was added also two weeks ago and has been, you know, in the system a very short amount of time. Obviously he was added directly to the active roster. So he's been here two weeks as well, a player with a lot less experience. And so that would be, I think option probably two in my mind is that he would be um he would be your starter at left tackle and then Hudson at right tackle and then Christian is the swing tackle and then I think the third option that is worth discussing just because Kevin Stefanski didn't rule it out in his Friday press conference is Joel Batonio sliding to left tackle and then Hudson's your right tackle and then you would need a guard to take Hudson's place. They do not have an additional guard on the roster right now. So it would probably be Luke Whipler, the rookie out of Ohio State that they drafted in the sixth round, who played guard in preseason and I think handled himself pretty well. They also do not have a guard on the practice squad. So that's worth knowing as well <laughs> that um, the only practice squad offensive lineman is Alex Leatherwood. We talked about him earlier this week. I think he's kind mm-hmm. of a red shirt player for them this year and and I wouldn't expect him to be involved at all. So no, I, I wouldn't either. It is it's dicey, man. If yeah, Michael was healthy. So the addressing the big portion of that that you just laid out really well is, you know, Kevin Stefanski today was asked about on Friday here, was asked about what their plan was. And a part of that plan question was Joel Batonio moving out. We know he did it back in twenty one in Green Bay and was really good. You know, the problem with thinking that that could happen again is the nature of his season so far has not been as good as he normally is. Joel is still really good, but it's not been the all pro level that we've seen from him. And he went through the knee scope and all the other stuff. Is there the ability to feel comfortable to do that? I mean, never say never. And I know that Kevin didn't say no to that specific name when brought up. It was uh, pretty much we feel comfortable with our plan was what what was said. Now, as Andrew just laid out, there are two very clear plans in place there with tackles that have been around, but they have not been around very long. So you consider two weeks here uh, for guys to learn the offense, all the nuances of the position. Now, playing next to Batonio helps, right? That obviously helps. The guard play on both sides is going to help those tackles, but it doesn't change a lack of exposure to the system. Whereas, although I prefer not to start Luke Whipler, I think we prefer not to start a couple people here, but Whipler has at least been around all season to know and is in, in kind of be in the position to handle it. Right. The thing that's frustrating, Andrew, is that, you know, the, the Ravens are leading the NFL in sacks and Jadevian Clowney's playing great football again. 
and Kyle Vinoy, who they signed off the street. I talk about this yet with yesterday's Ravens guests. Like they're getting these guys playing good football for it's like no reason. Like there's no reason Clowney and Vinoy should be playing well, but they are. And then obviously you would say, okay, we don't mind being weak at guard, but Justin Matabuke has taken a huge step forward. The guy's got eight sacks on the interior, and they just got back Michael Pierce from illness as well. So like there's no way to spin this. There's no way to spin it. There's no like, hey, we'll be a little more stout at tackle because we can handle their interior or vice versa. What they have to do is decide are either of those tackles, Watson or Christian, able to handle the role. Just know what to do. Know what to do. And like if they don't believe that, then you have to move Batonio out for a game. Right. You know, maybe, maybe you get Dewan coming back healthy next week and it sorts itself out. But like there's a there's Definitely a non-zero percent chance Joel Batonio could be playing left tackle in this game, and we don't know it yet because Kevin doesn't have to tip his hand on that. No. He can run that all the way up to game time. So uh, it's it's very dicey. We don't have a clear answer, and it's pretty obvious the Browns don't want to give an answer because Kevin could have provided that today, and he did not provide that today, Andrew. So that is it's noteworthy. Got to keep your eye on it. Yeah, I think the the big issue for me is that if you start Christian or Watson at left tackle and you obviously already got Hudson is pretty much penciled in or in pen at right tackle. You you now have two tackles that you really need to help and give uh, support to on a play to play basis. I think my, my reasoning for why I think they might decide to slide Batonio out is because then you really, if you can trust him to hold down left tackle, you really only have to worry about providing Hudson tight end support, chip support, running back help, whatever. Right. And then obviously you got a little bit of a concern about Luke Whipler at guard, but you figure between Batonio and Posich, he's got guys on both sides of him. I think if you have two bookends, both tackles that need help, it just, it really limits what your offense can do formationally scheme. You know, it's, it would really shrink the offensive play call sheet. I would have to imagine because you almost have to provide a tight end on each side, or at least a tight end and a back, which, you know, again, like if the, I think it it would limit what they can do, and I think it would give you a lot more chances for the Ravens to play with stuff because they can they can kind of go after either side. So that's that's kind of my thinking why they might do it. That plus the fact that they did it once before when they were forced to against Green Bay back in twenty one. I can't remember. I've just been looking. Uh, I cannot remember the specific circumstances of why that had to happen. What who they were missing? I know Jed obviously was was I think in COVID protocol. Uh, at that time, but you know, that was the one other time that it happened and Batonio was great at left tackle. So the fact that they're not afraid to do it, they did do it when they were pushed to it. And like you said, if DeWan, if they think DeWan can be back for the Steelers, this only has to be a one week thing, right? And then you get Hudson to left tackle next week and, and Jones is back at right tackle. Yeah. I think that if we were to make the choice from the outside looking in, Batonio makes a ton of sense. The question is the things that we don't know, how, acclimated are both of those tackles to the playbook and to knowledge of what they're doing on a down-to-down basis. If they're okay in that regard, then maybe they feel comfortable making that move, right? The Browns do rely on their guards to do a lot of stuff in the run game. So I think that after the game, that's something we'll be paying close attention to looking at the data for how many times they would move a guard. That's not Joel Batonio, right? There's there's just a lot of moving parts there. I can understand both both ways they would go about making this decision. I think if I watched the first game correctly, the Ravens didn't do a very good job of covering the late release chip players. 
so I thought that maybe that's just a natural element the Browns could have in place to take advantage of quite often is getting the football dumped down to David Njoku off of a chip to help those guys. I, I mean, neither situation is ideal because this isn't younger, healthier, you know, peak of his powers, Joel Batonio. So that's not great. But I also can understand why you would do it for the reasons that you laid out surrounding a guard on both sides, those elements. If they do make that decision to go with it, it would definitely tell me that neither of those tackles are in position to do it. They're just neither not up to speed enough or they're not good enough. Right. Uh, so that would be the indicator for us, right? So uh, I, I just, I don't really think we should, I'm trying to spin zone this for everybody. There is no spin on it. I don't think there's a way to feel great about it because again, like the Ravens are able to do things on the interior to manipulate things, to get the matchups they want against Luke Whipler, who, you know, I think Andrew laid out that he was good in the preseason to which I agree, but this is, as you know, a different animal in the regular (laughs) season. So, you know, you're not playing Nick Harrison there. I mean, that guy's pretty much a fullback now. So you you really are going to be playing a player that is, you know, the question too, (laughs) could you add a layer to it and say, Hey, Posa just played left guard, slide everybody right. left and put Whipler at center. Right. I don't know. Or Harris at center. They're, yeah. Either way, yeah. they they could have a, yep. you know, a whole plan there hatched out to try to help out the situation. Some right. of which you people might not agree with. I'm I'm open to anything. Right. I'm open to anything. I'm not going to tell them they're wrong because sitting here and saying moving Joel and Posich over a spot and having one of the younger centers play, you could still have your guard Posich doing all of the line calls. Right. All of those elements. Yeah. So like I don't think it's the worst idea in the world, and I'm willing to see them be creative to try to solve this because I, I think just presuming the status quo of two guys who have been off roster to be come in and play left tackle against the Ravens yep. is a gigantic leap right. of faith as it is. Right. So I'm open to their plan, and I'm encouraged that Kevin is saying it in a way that leaves a little bit open to interpretation. You yeah, know I, I mean? I, I think, it, yes, the way to say it is that it, this is about getting through this game. This is not about what they want to do long-term. This is not like Joel Batonio's left tackle now. This is about Sunday. And then you figure out where the hell you're at for the next game, right? But um, this is this is about getting through a one-game road game against one of the best defenses in the league and a de- team specifically that is incredibly good at disguising where their pressure is coming from. So, it, you know, if this is happening against Arizona – then you you know maybe you say all right well let's give the young kid Watson a chance and we'll see what happens and it'll probably be all right but considering who they're playing I think you know to your point about even moving Posich and and maybe Harris is the center then you've actually got a pretty experienced offensive line really you know you don't have a, you don't have a rookie you know the most inexperienced player is James Hudson at that point and like I keep saying you can you can cover up for one weak link so. Yeah, I, I would be fine with them being as creative as they want to be to get through this game, minimize the amount of pressure and damage that this offensive line situation does, and then you figure out where you're at for next week. Worth mentioning, we were talking about this pre-show. It's so strange, given the number of guards that they had on the roster in the preseason, that they don't currently have a guard on the practice squad. Just a weird, you know, I know part of this is Michael Dunn is on the injured reserve and, you know, ha- has a calf injury that I think is going to keep him out for a little bit longer. But it's strange, you know, Wes Martin was here in the preseason, signed a free agent deal. He's gone. Drew Forbes is on non-football injury list. Dunn is down. So, you know, Colby Gossett's gone. So you just end up with no depth at a place where I think if you'd ask us in mid-August where they have the most depth, we'd say, like, they have four starting guards. Yeah, yeah, that is that is a startling thing to me. I understand you're down three tackles and you can't prepare for that. That's hard. 
but you could have a better plan for your interior to maybe give you a little bit of flexibility. But again, these are crazy times. It's not like I can get that mad at Andrew Barry for not having a guy. I think that that's just something they need to rectify because Michael Dunn, it's not like he hasn't had a history here of being hurt. And uh, obviously Drew Forbes the same. I can't remember when Drew Forbes ever finished a season, even a non-active season, uh, let alone. So, yeah, I think that they would be wise to add another interior offensive lineman to the practice squad. But uh, I don't know. Again, we're not giving you any inside information here. We're just talking about the angles of which they can go. It remains a mystery to everybody. Uh, we'll see what you see what they do and hope for the best because that's really all we have. Uh, otherwise, uh, before we split here, I wanted to have a conversation. I think that <laughs> I think that there's a lot of people saying that this game this weekend almost doesn't matter. I, I've seen that. Like people think we're going to lose mentality. So it's like a free roll of the dice. And while I understand that this game doesn't end your chances to have a successful season, Andrew, it does end your, you're not make you're not winning this division with this loss. Like it's just not happening for yourself catching as a five and four team catch eight and two. Now you could cross your fingers that Lamar has another late season injury. That's about the only way. But if you lose this game, the division hunt, which we all thought was very realistic, is done. So, I mean, again, like it's not like you lose this game and you have a discussion about the season being over. No one's saying that, but I can't act like this game doesn't matter. Like it, it clearly matters yeah. to the scope of what you thought they could accomplish this season. And again, if you want to step back and justify it by saying, hey, Nick's hurt, lost to Sean for four games, I'm totally with you. But there is the finality of like, you're not winning this division with two losses to the Ravens and being three games back in the win column. Right. So, uh, I just, I just have a hard time thinking that this is a very gigantic throwaway. Again, you can still go to the playoffs and do some fun things, but it's not like, uh, I, I don't know. I've almost seen just such, such a, such a wild attitude of this game doesn't matter almost. And while that's, I get it that you need to come out of the next two games, six and four, I, I would prefer to, have some to like level of care about a game that yeah. could decide your fate in the division, man. But that's just me. I could, I could totally be off about that and, and taking it a little more serious than, than, uh, than, than some other seed that it's necessary. No, I mean, I think that, I think the big thing is that uh, you want them to be competitive. Right. And I think, you know, this injury situation at offensive line jeopardizes that I think, and you can talk about the other injuries, but you know, we also can flip back to the first month of the season when everybody was talking about how injured the Baltimore Ravens were, right? And they came out of that and have gone from strength to strength uh, from then. And it's about other people stepping up. I mean, they've they've had Geno Stone over there playing lights out football, and he wasn't supposed to be a starter for them. So injuries are part of the NFL. I don't think that any team deserves a pass for anything based on injuries. Like I just, it's not how I look at the league. the The whole point of the league is that you got to be competitive no matter. What and if the Browns' expectations are where they were, you know, then the the the, the team is still talented, right? I mean, the, the defense has basically had, other than a little bit of Greg Newsom time, they haven't had any injuries, right? So you can talk about the offense a lot and with reason, but the you know this is what the, this is what the NFL is. As far as your point about you know the losing the division by week ten, I think that also would would really sink in from a from the standpoint of preseason expectations to now, and obviously that changes and you're not going to, you can't ever judge a team only by what you thought about them in August. But by the same token, I think that it would feel disappointing to be out of the divisional race just past the midpoint of the season, right? Like 
you you would be okay losing the division if you're if you're out by you know a game at the end of the season but the the Ravens then would be eight and two and the Browns would be five and four it's and it just feels like even though that gap is you know two games mathematically or two and a half games mathematically it feels like a lot bigger than that if they you know aren't able to go in and compete with Baltimore this weekend so I think from my perspective it's less about them winning because I, you know, that is a tall task. I think it's more about putting on a showing that indicates that regardless of the adversity, they're going to go out and give it everything they got. It feels a lot like the San Francisco game to me. I just will say that there are teams that win these games. There are teams that overcome these challenges on the offensive line. The Browns have been really blessed to avoid these upfront issues. So, you know, to consider it a chalking it up to a loss before it's happened just because of tackle play, I, I don't think that that's fair. I think the expectation should be a little bit higher. And yeah, you know, the game doesn't mean the end of the season, but it does have some level of, you know, in between, right? Where you, you are bummed about the division, which is what you're saying, and also recognizing they can still go chase the playoffs, which is great. But it's 1989, Andrew. It's the last time they've won the division. Yeah. It's it's a lot. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. I think that there was hope they could get that done and, and to your point like week 10 and you're looking at a, at a battle that's going to take like i don't know like five percent would be the number after this week and it's already down below 10 percent. but yeah you would like to see them figure that out all right anyway uh we are going to take a break come back from break and then do some picks so we will be right back we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals, and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you've had. So why would you go game time? They have flash deals, last-minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money. 
right? It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats, like I said, before you buy them. You buy tickets in a matter of seconds, and they're sent directly to your phone, all right? So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that GameTime app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets. Create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co, but I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Okay, college football slate for the weekend. We have Michigan, Penn State leading. Actually, I should update. I always try to get ahead of myself a little bit. Uh, Last week... Uh, let me go back and make sure I know the records. You went three and five. I went four and four in the college side up to the season. I'm 22, 23 and one. You are 25, 21. So I made up a single game worth of ground on you on the NFL side, man, you could have made some money, Andrew 12, two and one. That's madness. Well done. I went Thank five, you. nine and one. I forgot about, I don't even think I made those picks. Yeah. That was somebody uh, so, else. Somebody else. Blacked so uh, on the season with the NFL, Andrew's now up to 38, 30 and one. And I am 32, 36 and one. I really do blame it on me picking first all the time. So we're yep. going to switch that up. Great. Uh, Michigan state, Penn state, the Nittany lions, man, this one is Jim Hargall going to be there. Did he get on the plane? Nobody knows. So we, ha- just, I, we haven't really yeah, talked about, we don't have to do like a whole 15 minute breakdown here, but I'm just curious for your thoughts briefly on the whole Michigan thing, you know, lock, stock and barrel. How do you feel about that? I feel like Michigan pushed it too far, man. Mm-hmm. I just do. I feel like everybody's always trying to like naturally acquire signs and get tells and stuff, but there's, they went too far with it. Right. They just, they did like, right. and I think that people like treating it like it's a big nothing burger is kind of wild. Like knowing signs and the way that you're going about getting them is going to get like like going above and beyond and, and using specific ways that are not outlined like it just feels too far to me like is yeah. this a death penalty thing no but there should be some punishment and the regulations are in place for a reason so you know i'm sure people listening to this don't agree with me but i just think it went too far and i feel like the cover-up is probably happening too you're trying to you're trying to tell me that the head coach had no idea, but this guy is next to the head coach on the sideline all the time right. with the play callers. Like, I just don't, I don't buy the innocent act that Michigan's putting on on it. Like, they, they, they like, I don't think you gain a gigantic, gigantic amount of advantage here, but it is an advantage if you if you go to the lengths of which they did to get them right. So, uh, yeah, I just to me think there should be some punishment for this, a reduction yeah. of scholarships or something that, that, that is going to actually have yeah. an impact on them. It seems like the big 10 might suspend Harbaugh. I don't know, but yeah. I try to wait away from this on social because people are so emotional. Oh about yeah. It. But yeah, I, yeah. I don't, I don't, you know, at the end of the day, I didn't go to Ohio state. I grew up an Ohio state fan and go to Ohio state. So I don't live and die. I have a lot of friends who live and die by them. And I enjoy going to, the, it's like Brown's games where we're watching with a passion and, and an actual, emotional attachment to win loss. I don't really get that with Ohio state the same way. So it's fun to enjoy a really successful program, but not also get worked up by those big losses. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, I definitely feel like Michigan has done some stuff that went above and beyond, but if Michigan were to walk away with nothing, I'd be like, well, you know, whatever the NCAA is getting weird anyway. Right. These, these, these recent years, what do you think? 
Yeah, I, I th- I'm, we're pretty much in the same place. I, I think that one of the most dismaying parts of uh, the culture that we have now is that there is a rush by a bunch of people that want to pretend to know better to not ever take anything seriously, which yeah. drives me crazy, right? Like there's some people in every realm, right? Whether it's sports or politics or, you know, culture, or anything that are just the first people to say like, nah, we knew that already, or that that's, that happens all the time or nothing, ma- you know, and yeah. it's, it's a sort of nihilism that I find really dispiriting. But in terms of this specific thing, the only thing I'll say is that I do think it jeopardizes the Big Ten's case and the NCAA's case if this stuff happens too fast and is too sloppy, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I, I think that Jim Harbaugh did something wrong. I think that Michigan was doing something wrong, and I think they deserve to be punished. But I also am okay with the idea that they continue to play football games with their head coach under the cloud of this until it gets resolved properly. Because I, I think the one thing you don't want is now the argument becoming about due process and those sorts of questions when yeah. the, the spotlight needs to remain on how wrong this is, you know, and I think that's important too, right? Like that, that we not get sidetracked by a different argument, right? About what the big 10 did and continue to focus on what Michigan did. Yeah. It's, it's always interesting to me, like you said, smart people downplaying, things they know if the, if the shoe was on the other foot man yeah oh they'd be coming after people so yeah yep. it, it also think <laughs> just for the sake of entertainment getting harbaugh and ryan day on the field at the same time together would be a whole lot of fun in a few weeks i agree but the biggest thing for michigan is they're always attached to this now they're right. always attached to being the sign stealing team and it does jeopardize some of the validity of what they've done mm-hmm. the last few years which mm-hmm. is the first real run michigan's had in such a long time you now have people questioning it. So I don't know. It's it's ugly all around, and it's really unfortunate that it came to this, but something's got to happen one way or the other, and uh, we will be on pins and needles around here figuring out uh, what the result of that will be. And like you said, hopefully it's not too rushed, but based on some buzz today, yeah, uh, it does feel like it might be rushed. <laughs> all right, so Michigan is laying four on the road. I really wish this – I would think I would have a different feel, Andrew, if this was a whiteout game where it gets absolutely crazy in Happy Valley for those ones. So with it not being a whiteout game, uh, it changes the scope for me. Who are you taking? Uh, yeah, I'll take Michigan. Um, I will lay the four points. I, I don't trust Penn State and James Franklin. You know, um, like like you said, I think day game changes it a little bit. But even still, I think Michigan's just pretty clearly better than Penn State. Yeah, I think so too. And I know Michigan hasn't been really, really tested. So this will be interesting to watch from that perspective but I still think they're at least a touchdown better football team in this game. So we'll go with the same one on that one. Utah at Washington and Washington's laying nine. It's a spicy number. Where are you going? I'll lay the points with the, the Huskies here uh, from the standpoint that I think, you know, this is not, not this Utah team is not quite at the, of the same standard as previous Utah teams that have kind of given these PAC 12 teams headaches. And I think, uh, I think Washington has shown a ton of resilience this year, uh, Michael Penix specifically. And so I think they get this done and kind of wrap up their their walk to uh, a championship game. Yeah, I, I think Utah, the thing about Utah people have forgot over the years is they've also been really damn talented. So like pesky and talented is a really, you know, resilient group is, is, a, is a tough combination. I don't think they're quite as talented, so I'm going to go with uh, Washington as well there to cover by ten. I think that I know it's nine, but feels like a ten to fourteen point win for Washington. And Agreed. Utah fights, but I don't think they get it done. 
Uh, Tennessee at Missouri. Missouri is uh, getting two and a half here, so they're getting some points at home. One of those SEC games, you know, we got a couple of them on the slate here where, you know, just uh, these these are named teams. I mean, Missouri's yeah. having a good year, though. Yeah, Missouri's having are. a good year. So uh, I'll go first on this one. I'll take I'll take Missouri and the points uh, at yep. this one because I, I actually – they gave Georgia a really good game mm-hmm. in Athens, and I, I think that's a pretty talented football team, so I'll take that. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's weird that this is an SEC East matchup. I think that's yeah. one of the dumbest things that the SEC did. Hopefully they fix it when Oklahoma and Texas get into town. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I will feel pretty confident that, uh, Missouri can, can win this game. They, they need to, right. I mean, this is the sort of Tennessee is a, a pretty fraudulent seven and two in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree with that. Next is Georgia who will just apparently never lose a game ever hosting Ole Miss. I feel like Georgia got their scare last week with Missouri, but I mean, without Brock Bowers, it is different. I mean, yeah. it just is. So, yep. um, curious who you think is, I think Ole Miss is coming off some some games let me check that almost beat auburn by a touchdown on the road we're just going to ignore the vandy game and then they beat texas a&m by three at home most recently so they're 10th in the country and they're getting 10 and a half points on the road who do you like i just for a second want to say these sec schedules are hilarious to me the the georgia bulldogs went on the road to auburn and won by a touchdown they went on the road to vandy then they go to tennessee and then they have a road game at georgia tech they have four road games amazing i mean they have the neutral site game with florida but like what are we doing here man it's I mean, going to get worse andrew when these playoffs expand and nobody's willing to play anybody in yeah because they just want to keep season. two two, two uh, losses off their schedule yeah exactly it's just yeah, it's you. so embarrassing i mean you i look think michigan's that. isn't michigan the same way their their schedule leading up to this has been awful and they've been at home a lot yeah, i'm let pretty me, sure let me pull that one up now here yeah yeah they went to nebraska minnesota and michigan state they have five true road games total because they're at Penn State and then and then Maryland so yikes one ranked road opponent which is more than Georgia can say but uh it's still just I don't know man like to me that that's the the hidden advantage that nobody wants to talk about it's like every one of these games where Georgia has been pushed right they had Kentucky at home and they took care of them so it's a neutral site game against Florida then they they have Missouri at home if that game's in Columbia they probably lose that game same with this one against Ole Miss like they're going to get pushed and then the SEC championship game is in Atlanta. So home game, right? It's just it's- At least they got their UT Martin out of the way early. I know Alabama usually <laughs> plays the Citadel. And like I was looking at Ole Miss. Ole yeah. Miss has Louisiana Monroe the next yeah. game. So they love that, these November cupcakes. It's so funny. Yeah. yeah. Write the check so they can play somebody. Alabama's got Chattanooga next weekend. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah, a fun sport. Fun uh, sport. What, what game will we pick? Yeah, I, I will take the, the points with Ole Miss. I think over 10 points. They can score a little bit, so I I do think Georgia has a loss in them. Yeah. The Brock Bowers thing. I I don't know if it'll happen now. Maybe it happens in the championship game. Maybe it happens in the playoffs. I do think Georgia has a loss in them. Right on. I do too, but I don't think it's this week. So I'll take Georgia. Right on. By uh, win by eleven. Anyway, all right. Uh, Michigan State at Ohio State. It's a night game. That's a that's a chunky number. Ohio State is giving. 31 and a half. They're wearing the scarlet uniforms. Have you seen those? I haven't. No, they're not. Sorry. They're wearing the gray. They're wearing an all gray uniform. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, no comment on that because he hasn't seen them. So (laughs) I, uh, how is Michigan state? They're three and six lately. They have Maryland blew them out. I don't have a head coach Rutgers. They have no head coach. I'm laying the points. Yeah. I'm laying the points too. Uh, quite comfortably. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Florida is at LSU in what should be always a more fun game than it is now because LSU, I believe, is they're up to three losses. Florida's in a rough spot. They're laying, like I said, LSU's laying 15 at home. I'll let you pick this one first. I'll lay the points with with LSU. I don't love Brian Kelly, but I do love Jaden Daniels, and I think he's going to be okay in playing for this game. So, yeah, give me the Tigers. Florida coming off of a road loss at – sorry, the Arkansas came to Florida and beat them in overtime. 39-36. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Uh, I think LSU beats him by two touchdowns, so I'll take Florida. All right. Uh, all right. So Duke, North Carolina, in a battle of non-basketball. Uh, I don't know. It looks like North Carolina is laying 13 and a half. Uh, I'll let you pick this one first. Uh, it looks like the last few games, Duke beat Wake Forest after getting beat pretty soundly by Louisville. Uh, they got beat comfortably by Florida State. Yeah. And then North Carolina is coming off an ugly Georgia Tech loss, right? I think back to back ugly losses. Virginia and Georgia Tech back to back weeks. Oh, so gross. Not not great they, for UNC. They did handle Campbell, so there's that. <laughs> they yeah, it was get right last game last week against the Camels. Yeah, uh, the I'll Campbell. take Duke plus the points here, just because I do think UNC. This is a little bit of a rivalry game, and I think UNC is vulnerable. Well, I think that the Campbell game got North Carolina right, so okay. I'm going to take them by two touchdowns. Hey, there you go. It's a simple logic, Doug. Mm-hmm. All right, USC at Oregon. Oregon's laying 15 and a half yeah. at home. I wonder yeah. if Caleb, what's the over-under on Caleb Williams' tears? Um, <laughs> it seems to be a popular talking point. I think USC will give them a better game than 15 and a half points. I think Oregon's going to win, but I feel like it's by like 13 or 10. So uh, I think that I will This go line feels high to me. I don't. It does. Yeah. I, I know that USC is flawed. They did just fire their defensive coordinator. Typically, those games where you, if a defensive coordinator is really bad, there's a little bit of a rubber band effect when they're gone. Right on. Okay, good stuff. Now we go to the NFL, where Andrew has a pretty good lead on me. 38, like I said earlier, 38-31 against 32-36-1. Let me double check here. I always like to tell you guys, as I know you really come to this podcast to know what's going on in the league. Bi-week teams this week, Chiefs, Dolphins, Rams, and Eagles. Fantasy implications big fantasy implications patriots colts is our kickoff and we have the patriots getting two and a half in germany for what it's worth in in germany Mm -hmm. Uh, i was wondering why i saw colts practice or sorry patriots practice videos at eight in the morning that would add up (laughs) i actually was actually i was curious and then i forgot about it a moment later as most things patriots after tom brady has done to me Mm -hmm. which is not interesting yep uh yikes i don't know man this is a coin flip i i think i'm inclined to take the team that's getting points so i'll take the patriots uh yeah i'll take the colts i just i don't know i agree with you that it's a coin flip i think the colts are the better team right on okay can't tell you anything about whether you're right or wrong because i don't know that there is a great answer all right texans bengals this is just a fun one. Yep. This is the other one o'clock game I'm interested in. Now, T. Mm-hmm. Higgins is out. Jamar Chase dealing with a back injury is supposed to keep trying and be out there. If they're down both of those guys, it's yeah. really dicey. Um, I feel like the vibes with the Texans are pretty good, man. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think I'm going to take the Texans to go into Cincinnati and win. Cool. Uh, I will getting, take. I will... I, I'm actually telling you I'm taking the money line which yeah. is kind of crazy. No, but, I but, hear you. I will, I'll make the little note of that in uh, parentheses. That's a, <laughs> that's an extra win as far as I'm concerned. There you go. Cause they'll probably be like two, two fifty, two seventy on the money. Yeah, you lines. get, some, you get like, some spice on that one. Win like 300 bucks, something like that. Doesn't six and a half feel high without Higgins. 
in, in a, a beat up chase. It does. It does. Yeah, it does. I think this is a line that'll probably move significantly, but I do also think that Lou Anarumo against a rookie quarterback. I know Stroud has been great, but I, I will lay the points with the Bengals here. Okay. You got it. Saints Vikings five and four saints leading the division. What a team mm-hmm. they travel to face Josh Dobbs. Not, not, uh, glowing reviews of jonathan gannon from josh dobbs today <laughs> pretty rough stuff there. he didn't even I, necessarily seem upset he just was kind nope. of telling it like it is i think he's been around the nfl and enough of that shit yeah. to know that's how it goes but mm-hmm. uh he also had no problem telling you exactly how it goes exactly because so, he knows that like none of these guys are my friend man this is right. a business they're going to do what they want to do yeah. anyway good for him um I, right on uh all right i don't know who to take i really don't i think the vikings the are getting i think the vikings getting three at home I think I'll just take that, I guess, cool. even though those miracle games don't usually follow up with good performances from the next uh, one week to the next. But yeah, I don't feel good about mm-hmm. the first the first and the third game. I have no idea. Steelers Packers. I mean, the Steelers are laying three and a half at home. The Packers aren't very good either yeah. here, but the Steelers, aren't. they're five and three, man. Yeah. I I'm done picking against them. I'm just yep. going to take the Steelers to cover three and a half and win. I just Likewise. don't. They, they've beaten me into submission. Yep. I have no answer for it yep. anymore. Bucks Titans, another game. Will Levis, Baker Mayfield, which is moderately entertaining. Mayfield, mm-hmm. to give him some credit, has made these games entertaining at points this year. Who are you going with in that one? The Bucks are laying a point at home. I think I kind of believe in Will Levis a little bit, uh, and I think you know when you get to these like second or third tier, whatever tier these teams are matchups, I do think the. Div- the conference strength matters a little bit, right? I think the Titans, if they're in the NFC or a playoff team, so I'll take the Titans. The Mayo Menace has won you over. I like it. I'll take the Bucks. Right. I think the Bucks are still – I've got some friends who are Tampa Bay guys, and I'm just like, you know, that division is still very much up for grabs, and I think they know they need to win this week to stay alive, uh, so I'm going to take them to win at home. Jags 49ers, this is a fun one. Is it an early game? It has to be. Mm-hmm. No, it is – hang on, it's in Jacksonville. That would make sense, so – uh, that's a, it's a fun game that we, we probably won't get to watch much of at all, but, uh, the Jags are getting three points at home and I don't know how to feel about this one either, man. I feel like the, like the Jags haven't been very impressive on offense. Their defense is doing a lot of the work for them right now, but the 49ers off of a bye week you know, spicy who you taking? Yeah, this one is tough for me. I, I think I like the 49ers better, but I am not comfortable laying a field goal on the road, uh, West Coast team going east, uh, even after a bye week. So I will uh, take the points with the Jaguars. All right, I'm going to go 49ers. All right. to uh, it's, it's Just the bye week thing I think is going to work out for him. Anyway, Browns, Ravens, I've heard six of and game. a half. I've heard of the game. I think I'm going to take the Browns to cover six and a half. I think that's the angle I'll take. Not not money lining them, yeah. But I feel like the six and a half is uh, still a little high for a second division game. So yeah, we'll, I we'll don't do fully understand this line. I know the the Ravens are just getting a ton of public love right now because they keep blowing teams out. And I think typically in the NFL, that's not a sticky thing. You know, like a team can be good and win games without blowing teams out repeatedly. And so. You know, I said this on the pod with with you and Jordan the other day. The the Ravens, I think, those blowouts become blowouts because the the game script really tilts in their favor, and it allows them to just you know uh, kind of bully the other team. And I don't think the Browns are going to let that happen. I think Kevin Stefanski is going to have enough of a game plan. I flash back to that Seahawks game where they were down big early, and it's like this is going to get away from them. 
and it very much didn't. And I think as as much as Baltimore's a tough place to play, Seattle's tougher, right? Seattle's a tougher yeah. place to play, and that was with PJ, that was with PJ Walker. So they spotted the Seahawks two touchdowns, managed to come back and make that a four point game with their third string quarterback. I don't see them getting blown out by the Ravens here. I don't know for sure, just like you, Jake, that they'll win, but I don't see them getting blown out. Six and a half is too strong. Right on. I agree. I just tend to not believe it could happen. The Ravens have been beating the doors off of some people lately. Yeah, totally. It, it certainly could, but I just don't think that is going to happen in a division game like this with the middle of the season. Sorry, Falcons, Cardinals. I can't jump on. I know Kyler Murray's starting, but I can't jump on getting just a field goal to beat them uh, quick enough for the Falcons. So I'm taking Atlanta, and they only have to win by a field goal run. It. I, I just think the Cardinals are awful right now. Uh, I will take the Cardinals because uh, Kyler is the best quarterback on the team by far, and I think it'll be kind of a boost for everybody to have him back out there. And, uh, you know, Jonathan Gannon may be a liar, but uh, they the Cardinals <laughs> have played the Cardinals have played hard. And, uh, you know, I, I, as much as Jonathan Gannon got some negative heat for the Josh Dobbs thing, Arthur Smith cannot get enough neg- negative. I mean – I know and this I, is your, you're loving it. Oh, I, I absolutely it. love it because that is the sound of chickens coming home to roost. You it cannot is. act smarter than everybody in the world and then be a real dummy and expect not to get beat up for it, which I mean, by the way, happens to me all the time. Speaking of guys with that stigma, Chargers, Lions, Chargers <laughs> yeah, are getting go. three points at home against the Lions. Yeah. I don't, this is another weird game where mm-hmm. I don't think the Chargers are very good, but I'm not sure about the Lions lately. They do yeah. get Montgomery back healthy. But it's a road game on the West Coast. Oof, I, I think I'm going to go with the Lions, but I don't feel good about it. Uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Taking the Lions and feeling terrible about it. Um, I don't love laying points on the road generally. I don't love laying points when the better quarterback's on the other team. But I do think this is exactly the type of game that Brandon Staley just doesn't know how to process, where the other team just beats, you know, just beats them up. Right on. Okay. Giants, Cowboys, a 17 point line, but they're playing this quarterback. It's so, I, I think I have to take the Cowboys to win by 20 points. I Mm -hmm. just, it's so ugly for New York right now, man. So nothing else to say other than I think that's over veto. Yeah. It's veto. Yeah. It's over like first quarter. I mean, it's just too easy, too easy. Just like you can't complete passes. You just can't do it. Right. So, all right. Commander Seahawks in an interesting game. The commanders are just a roller coaster ride. Seahawks have been, in the same, I don't think the Seahawks have been playing that well. I really don't like proven by Baltimore, but I didn't think they played well enough to beat the Browns. I thought the Browns deserved to win that game. So I'm not as in on the Seahawks as maybe some other people. Um, so I'm actually going to take the commanders and the points thinking that they, I don't know that the commanders win that game, but I think it's close. Sam Howell will rip it. He'll try to throw it and uh, they'll try to be creative in the run game. And I think they can score some points on Seattle. So I'll, I'll take uh, them to cover the six. I'll lay the points here because uh, I agree with you. The Seahawks have had a little bit of a swoon, but the commanders are not in the same league. Okay. And right go, going to the West coast that, that, you know, home, home field advantage is real. It's going to be a weird uniform battle. Yeah. Ugly. Two. They, they can't change the nickname and uniforms of that franchise quick enough. Mm-hmm. The two primetime games, man, big barn burners <laughs> here, folks. Jets travel to the Raiders. The, the New York was not going to lose that opportunity to get that primetime game in Las Vegas. You know, the same with the networks covering it. They need their time on the strip. I I, I do think I'm going to take the Raiders. The Raiders are laying one at home, and I just think I'm going to take them because I think the Raiders, like the, the whole conversation with Robert Sala and, and Zach Wilson this week was weird, and then mm-hmm. the Raiders' boost from firing Josh McDaniel seems to be like 
through the roof of that place. So I think the vibes are really good with the Raiders, so I'm going to go that route. I think I'll take the Jets. I kind of expect that the, the Jets will be well-represented at a game in Vegas. Um, saw Fireman Eddie on the uh, plane. Yeah. JTS and So there you go. That'll, that'll be happening. I mean, there you go. I was think I, I got. And then real- also I heard a story of that one time he was in Oakland and somebody <laughs> threw a beer bottle at him and knocked the helmet off of his head. It went flying. And I was thinking, God, I think Oakland is the one stadium back in the day I would not have gone to. Yeah. As an opposing fan. Yeah. Well, you, if you want, you'd have to go incognito and not cheer for your yes. own team. Yeah. Yes. I, I just want to say quickly about this this primetime debacle where the Jets got 17 primetime games because they had Aaron Rodgers and then he tore his Achilles in the first one. Um, it is. He's, he's like two weeks from being back, dude. Modern <laughs> miracle, guy. I pray to God that he comes back for that Browns game. That would be Miles Garrett would set the single game and single season sack record in one game. On one person's Achilles. Yeah, he might break it, be, it again. Oh, it'd be so good. Uh, but I I get annoyed with it because I don't want to ever watch the Jets. And um, I, so I often have been skipping these pre, uh, these primetime games. And I will. I will not watch a second of this game. Andrew, but, I got to ask you. I hate to interrupt you. Sure. But I want to ask that because you said exactly something I've been thinking. I didn't watch a single second of last night's football Agreed. game. And I didn't Same. care. I feel like this year more than any year, some of these primetime games, I've just not even watched. No, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. And I'm annoyed by it. But then I think about it from the perspective of if you're a Jets fan, imagine if it was the Browns and they got Watson had like finishes the year really hot. And then next year, the Browns have the full slate of primetime games and Watson tears his Achilles in the first game. How there's no more demoralizing feeling than being forced to tune into your team in primetime week after week, knowing that they're not a good team. And they're going to get picked apart. Like the, the, right. you go back to the... Right. Like when Manning cast was there yeah. for the Brown Steelers game a exactly. few years back when they were trying to figure out if Mayfield was going to be the guy. So they were just mocking right. the Browns for not running Nick Chubb at all. Yeah. yeah. Everybody in the right. league is paying attention to every snap of a of your team playing terribly. Yeah. Like you can, you can sort of hide in the crowd on Sundays. At right. One yeah. I think that I, as much as it's annoying to me as a fan that I no longer can watch primetime football. I think the Jets earned it by being so insufferable as a fan base. I'll just say it that way. I, I like the the spin on that. That's fun. I, I I get. Yeah, I'm annoyed. Yeah, but I like watching the national perspective just pick apart right. the laughable nature yeah. of some and of these teams. Like, like you Frank said, Reich. there's nothing yeah. wrong with just taking a, a night off. You know, no. like there's plenty of good football Sunday from from nine thirty to. I mean, that first game's pretty bad too. But from one to seven, <laughs> you can watch two full football games and then just take your night, do something else. But too. I'm no matter what, I'm up at nine thirty, so I'll watch that. I'm oh up. yeah, it'll I have be nothing on. better to do. It'll be on. But yeah. a game at eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night, right? I can just pick. I'm going to bed. Yeah. I'm not watching that, or I'm For sitting sure. through it and have no problem with it. So, but go, I do like the angle. You're, yeah, exactly. The thing you're talking about, where it's like. These people have to suffer through people making fun of their team. Right. It's actually kind of like a nice punishment. Yeah. Um, it's the last Aaron Rodgers, one is, uh, whatever. Yeah. Death yeah. What, it's like you're paying the tax. Yeah. On, exactly. on that. That's the it's word I was looking for the tax. Okay. Thank you. The Broncos bills close out Monday night football. I'm actually moderately interested in this one. Because yeah, this will be, know, this will be watchable. The, the Browns have the Broncos coming up. So I mm-hmm. really want to see where the Broncos are because it felt like their defense was really bad at the beginning of the year, but they've started to figure some things out. I, two two elements interest me here. I think there's two outcomes. The Bills are either going to blow these guys out because they need a get right game and they need to feel good about themselves, or if they lose, yeah, and they fall to five and five, yeah, it's going to get real spicy over yeah. in Buffalo. Like I'm talking mm-hmm. potential coordinator firings, Ken Dorsey type yep. of stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. here. So mm-hmm. uh, that one has my attention. The Sunday nighter, yeah, whatever. But the the Bills Broncos has my attention. I'm going to take 
the Bills to cover the seven, but boy, do I see an outcome where mm-hmm. they don't win that game and it gets real spicy over in Buffalo because their I, yeah. expectations were so high for yes. so many years, man. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with you that I think the Bills cover, so I'll I'll take the Bills. But I I also agree with you that like the the angle where the Broncos, you know, Allen throws a bad pick early, and the Broncos are up like 10, 10 zip in that stadium. Like the yeah. the Bills have been good for a while, but they're not. A lot of those fans are still old enough to remember the Bills being garbage for twenty plus years. So like that, yeah. those habits will come back if they start to. And they're going to be a 500 football team in the same year that the Dolphins are setting records and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, you start yeah. to feel like the league's passed you by exactly how the Browns fans have felt the past two years with Joe Burrow, right? It's like, we're not even, you know, we're not even the up and coming team now. We got passed by another up and coming team. So, yep. um, yeah, I, I think if it's not a total blowout, it'll be a very interesting game. Yeah, I, I, I always am sort of drawn to those situations where teams – are still like the bills have a bunch of really good parts, but they can't put it together. The quarterback's still young. So you're optimistic, but the cast around them isn't so young anymore. And like there's ticking time bombs like Stefan Diggs, And uh, it's just, you, I, I follow a lot of Buffalo people who I respect and think do great work. And you can just sense it that there's something off there. And if it doesn't start seeing itself, you know, win more games, yeah. it just could get really, like, I'm not saying McDermott's getting fired, but I do think that there's like an element of has the relationship run its course. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's some of that banter trickling into the feed. And, uh, yeah, you know, it, I'm always, it does feel always up to, to me, watch a car, up to watch a car crash you know, for sure. Know. Yeah. And I think, you know, as neutrals, we kind of root for that. But it does feel to me like this is the game, you know, the Bills win like 48 to 10. And then there's like another week of Josh Allen hagiography, you know, where yeah. like now oh, they're fully back. They're six and four and they're fully back, you know, and they're yep. top three in DVOA offensively at least. And it papers over the concerns about the defense for another week. And then they get, you know, blasted by somebody else that's better than the Broncos. It just doesn't feel like a game where the Bills win a close one, like a kick to win no, a walk off. It's either the the Broncos win a close one or the Bills win a blowout, mm-hmm. which means because of that proclamation, the Bills win by like three or four. Yep. So there you go. You guys. nailed it. That's the, that's the prediction. We'll be back for more of these predictions next Saturday. We'll get Brad Ward tomorrow, wrap up the week, get your game day preview, and it'll be an AFC North battle here before you know it. So thanks to Andrew for taking the time. Thanks to you guys for being here as well, supporting the podcast and uh, doing all the things you guys do, which is rate and review and join the OBR. And we've seen nothing but great stuff. So the community we've built here is really awesome. And you guys deserve all the credit in the world for showing up and listening and giving feedback and all of that stuff. So big pat on the back to you guys. Thanks again. Enjoy your Saturday. Some good football on the slate in the college side. And then uh, obviously a Sunday jam pack starting at 930. You can get some good football in all day. So enjoy it, guys. Have a great weekend. Thanks for making the OBR film breakdown a part of that. Go Browns. Go Browns.